0: Welcome to this Pure Voice practice series on translating data into practice in metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer, the evolving role of radiopharmaceuticals on MCRPC, comprising three episodes with Dr. Raina McKay. This activity is supported by an unrestricted educational grant from Bayer Healthcare Pharmaceuticals Incorporated. Bayer has had no involvement in the selection of the speakers, the development of the activity, the agenda, or the materials. To access the activity, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash GJD.
1: Hello, my name is Raina McKay and I'm from the University of California, San Diego. Welcome to this practice series on the role of radiopharmaceuticals and treatment decisions in metastatic CRPC.
0: Can you describe the life-prolonging management approach for patients with metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer?
1: So there are currently many approved agents for patients with metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer. There are several drug classes to consider. You can consider the angina receptor pathway blocking agents. Largely, those drugs are being used in the metastatic hormone-sensitive setting, but for patients who have not yet received those drugs, those can be considered in the castration-resistant setting. There's also immunotherapy. Sipilucil-T is another agent that can be utilized. And pembrolizumab does have an indication for patients with advanced disease who harbor mismatch repair tumors. Then there's also targeted therapies, including drugs like Olaparib and Rucaparib that are approved for patients that have DNA repair alterations. And lastly, there's also chemotherapy. Both tosotaxel and cabazitaxel have demonstrated improvements in overall survival for patients with metastatic disease. There's also radiopharmaceuticals, and now we actually have two radiopharmaceuticals, including radium-223, which is a life-prolonging therapy, and also now lutetium-PSMA, which is another radioligand therapy that has demonstrated improvements in overall survival.
0: How do radiopharmaceutical therapies fit into the life-prolonging model of care?
1: Radiopharmaceuticals can be utilized for patients with advanced metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer. And I think they're a unique class of drugs. I think they're not what patients may classically think of as agents to treat the disease. It's not a pill that you take. It's not a chemotherapy that you infuse. A lot of times when I explain it to patients, it's kind of like liquid radiation. Which it's always sometimes hard to wrap your mind around that. But I think with good education and explaining the mechanism of action and how the drug works and how it's administered and what are the safeties and toxicities with any given therapy, I think that patients are engaged. Radium-223 is specifically approved for patients who have bony metastases, and it's not mandated that somebody have received a novel hormonal agent prior dose docetaxel before they receive radium-223. With regards to lutetium PSMA, that indication is specifically for patients that have received prior chemotherapy, have received a prior novel hormonal agent, and also have PSMA-positive disease on PSMA PET imaging. It is associated with objective responses on imaging and also PSA responses, which is certainly nice to see in the context of a radiopharmaceutical.
0: What are some key patient-specific characteristics that clinicians must consider when creating a therapy plan?
1: There are many patient characteristics that I think need to be factored in when thinking about any given therapy. I think certainly thinking about sites of metastases, is the bone involved, are organs involved, is the liver involved? We know that the behavior of different prostate cancer tumors that is spread to different organs, they can be more or less aggressive depending on the location. I think also whether the patient is symptomatic, do they have bony pain? Are they symptomatic from their disease? Do you need to have a therapy that's going to help improve quality of life and help improve symptoms or the higher response rate? Other things are comorbidities. What does the patient's bone marrow look like? A lot of patients who have metastatic CRPC may be anemic or they may be thrombocytopenic, and thinking about whether they're candidates for any one given regimen is also critically important.
0: Are most patients receiving the optimal number of active therapies? If not, how can this be improved?
1: The treatment landscape for metastatic CRPC has really been changing over the last decade as new treatment options have entered into the treatment landscape. But I think as we see it in the clinic, metastatic CRPC is actually largely an undertreated disease. While there are many life-prolonging therapies, not all men actually receive those life-prolonging therapies. There are many men that actually don't receive any treatment for a CRPC and some men that only receive one or two treatments. So there are several that may be available. I think why that may be is there may be biases against any one given regimen or potentially biases against the patient's fitness for treatment. It's always also a balancing act between quality of life and also overall survival. The key is having an open dialogue with patients about the different treatment options. The beauty about any one given therapy is that if you start it and patients don't tolerate it, you can always stop it. But just having the option to even consider starting a therapy, having those discussions is critically important. So to summarize radiopharmaceuticals absolutely play a life-prolonging role for patients who have advanced disease. So it's critically important to work to actually strategize the correct sequence and the optimal sequence to ensure that patients can maximize the benefits of the treatments that are actually available. Thank you so much for listening with us today. Keep an eye out for the second module that's going to be going through some additional treatment strategies around radiopharmaceuticals for patients with advanced metastatic CRPC. Hello and welcome to Module 2. My name is Raina McKay from the University of California in San Diego and welcome to this practice series on the role of radiopharmaceuticals in treatment decisions in metastatic CRPC.
0: What is the current role and timing of radiopharmaceuticals within the therapeutic landscape for metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer and the available options?
1: The therapeutic landscape for patients with metastatic CRPC has been changing, and now we have two radiopharmaceuticals that are approved for use for patients with advanced disease. Those include radium-223, which is an alpha-emitting radiopharmaceutical that targets areas of bone turnover and calcium turnover within the bone. And then we've got lutetium-PSMA, which is a beta-emitting radiopharmaceutical that specifically targets PSMA-expressing cells. They both have a role in the context of patients who have metastatic CRPC. The timing of radium-223 is independent of a novel hormonal agent, though most patients probably have received one prior to receiving the radium-pharmaceutical. And then with regards to timing with chemotherapy, data from the l trial demonstrates that patients can receive radium-223 either before or after chemotherapy treatment, as not all patients on that trial had received prior chemotherapy. With regards to lutetium PSMA, that is approved for patients that have received prior chemotherapy and prior hormonal treatment. doesn't matter in what disease state they receive those agents, but they must have received both and they also need to have PSMA expressing disease. So certainly we can utilize both radiopharmaceuticals for patients with advanced disease. I think as a field, I think we probably need more studies on what's the appropriate sequence and timing, but there's certainly an indication for both.
0: Can you provide a brief summary of the data that support these therapies for metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer?
1: So fortunately, we have level one evidence from phase three randomized clinical trials that have looked at the benefit of radiopharmaceuticals for patients with metastatic CRPC. With regards to radium-223, that was tested in a large trial called the l trial where patients were randomized to receive radium-223 given IV every four weeks for up to six doses versus best supportive care. So that trial demonstrated that the administration of radium-223 actually improved overall survival for patients with metastatic CRPC. It did not result in PSA reductions or objective response as the patients who were enrolled on the trial had predominantly bone-only disease and weren't invaluable for response. Also, it demonstrated improvements in quality of life endpoints and symptomatic skeletal-related events, which can certainly be problematic for patients who have advanced MCRPC with bone metastases. With regards to lutetium PSMA, this was tested in a large trial called the VISION study, which randomized patients to receive lutetium given IV every six weeks for up to six cycles, plus best supportive care versus best supportive care alone. And that best supportive care could have been use of an NHT, use of steroids, use of radiation therapy. It was largely dependent on the treating clinician the primary endpoint for the trial was a co-primary endpoint of PFS and OS. The trial was positive for improving overall survival for patients with metastatic CRPC. It also resulted in improvements of PSA and also objective responses on imaging. So it's great that we have level one evidence to support both radiopharmaceuticals and clinical practice.
0: What are some practical considerations with regards to incorporating radiopharmaceuticals within an overall therapy plan for metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer?
1: A lot of times radiopharmaceuticals are not actually administered in your standard infusion center or within the clinic. It requires a consultation with either nuclear medicine or radiation oncology, depending on who's administering that therapy at a specific institution. So it requires a different workflow that I think is becoming ever more pronounced, especially with PSMA-based imaging and stronger collaborations between radiation oncology and radiology and nuclear medicine. The other thing to consider is the patients that are on the trials that we've talked about previously may be very different than the patients that we actually see in real world practice specifically with regards to performance status or their degree of cytopenias or those kinds of things. So I think there's some practical considerations for checking hemoglobin, checking platelet counts, seeing if patients need to be transfused and kind of ensuring that a patient is set up for success when they're about to embark on any sort of radiopharmaceutical therapy that can have symptoms of myelosuppression. I think the other thing is always thinking about the comorbidities of the patient, their performance status. If somebody's got bone-only disease and they may be a little more frail, you're worried about chemotherapy in that individual, they're symptomatic, that may be a great individual for radium-223. If somebody's received prior chemotherapy, they've received prior hormonal therapy, they have PSMA avid disease, that would be a great individual for flutetium PSMA.
0: What are some practical considerations regarding treatment sequencing?
1: One of the biggest questions that we have in the field is how to ensure that we're sequencing therapy in a way that allows patients to get the maximum benefit of any one given therapy. We had previously conducted a study looking at what are the predictors of somebody being able to receive all six cycles of radium-223? Were there things in a recurring pattern that would demonstrate that certain parameters or prior treatments would limit the amount of radium-223 that any patient would receive? So we conducted this retrospective study of patients with bone-predominant metastatic CRPC who had received radium EM223 treatment from 2013 to 2018 and looked at radium-223 receipt both pre and post chemotherapy. And we demonstrated that actually for patients who received radium-223 prior to chemotherapy, there was definitely an increased likelihood of being able to complete all six cycles and not run into any issues from a hematologic standpoint. There was some interesting data that was presented at ASMO in 2022. The RALU study was a retrospective study that looked at patients who had received lutetium PSMA but had also received radium-223 at some time point prior to them receiving lutetium PSMA. And this study was interesting in that it demonstrated that there was really no worsening safety profile or you know, change in the overall survival signal in patients who had received radium 223 prior to lutetium. One of the big questions in the field is, can we use the radiopharmaceuticals sequentially? Can we use them together? I don't think that at the present time, we have data to suggest that we can't do that. I think the data thus far support that these therapies can certainly be used in sequence. It's data like this from the real world that can really be instructive and helping guide how best to sequence treatment and decide on the best regimen for any given patient. So to summarize, treatment selection needs to evaluate multiple factors, including baseline imaging, laboratory parameters, clinical symptoms. These are all critically important for deciding the right treatment for any one given patient. So thank you so much for joining us with this module going through the role of radiopharmaceuticals in patients with advanced metastatic CRPC.
0: Stay tuned for the third episode in which Dr. McKay explores a holistic approach to the management of metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer.
1: Hello, my name is Raina McKay. I'm a genital urinary oncologist at the University of California in San Diego. Welcome to the third module of our series looking at the role of radiopharmaceuticals and treatment decisions for patients with metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer. So there are several unmet needs for patients with metastatic CRPC- most men end up passing away from castration-resistant prostate cancer. I think it's important that we focus on quality of life in this context and making sure that patients are not being compromised from the side effects of any given therapy and the therapies that we administer actually make them feel better.
0: What is a holistic treatment strategy for metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer, and what does it include?
1: it's critically important to take a comprehensive treatment strategy for patients with metastatic CRPC. In addition to identifying the right cancer targeting therapy that is potentially the next life-prolonging therapy that that patient may receive, I pay attention to the whole person thinking about optimizing their bone health, mitigating the risk of them having a fracture, thinking about nutrition, pain management, other symptoms that may come on and strategies to help counteract fatigue. These patients are on hormone therapy. They have side effects related to that. How can we help mitigate those? Treatment selection needs to evaluate multiple factors, including biomarkers at baseline and what's the best strategies to monitor somebody on a given therapy, whether it be PSA or imaging as novel imaging tools enter into the treatment landscape. There are several studies that have indicated that certain parameters can be predictive of improved outcomes to radionuclide therapy and can be instructive in helping identify the right individuals for treatment. The REASSURE study, which was basically an observational study looking at safety and effectiveness of radium-223, evaluated the role of alkaline phosphatase decline and pain response on overall survival in patients with metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer. I think as we would expect, as patients are feeling better, their pain is improving, their alkaline phosphatase is declining, that was actually predictive of improved overall survival. Very similarly, in the VISION trial, associations between PSA decline and clinical outcomes were recently reported at ESMO. This post hoc exploratory analysis demonstrated that PSA decline at 12 weeks was really strongly associated with prolonged RPFS and OS in patients that were receiving lutetium PSMA. These highlight the role of biomarkers predicting and assessing response to anyone given therapy or prognosis for anyone given patient.
0: How can we optimize bone health in patients with metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer?
1: the majority of patients who have prostate cancer have bone metastases. And for those patients who have metastatic castration resistance, the presence of bone metastases can be associated with significantly worsening skeletal-related events. And that means a fracture to the bone, pain to the point that it's necessitating radiation to the bone, spinal cord compression, or even surgery to the bone. And these can be events that can really negatively impact the patient's quality of life and can be also quite morbid. And there are strategies to help mitigate skeletal-related events. We classically use osteoclast-targeted therapies whether that be denosumab or zoledronic acid or one of the other bisphosphonates. I think there are questions regarding the optimal timing balancing the side effects of the osteoclast-targeted therapies with regards to the hypocalcemia and electrolyte challenges, and very rarely also osteonecrosis of the jaw that can come on in patients who have been on therapy for a long, long time and may have a need for dental extraction or have other dental issues. So I think it really requires a comprehensive care team to help ensure the bone health of patients with metastatic CRPC.
0: What are some practical tips for improving communication with patients with metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer related to treatment expectations?
1: For one thing, I always like to try to understand where my patients are at with regards to their understanding of their current disease state. What are the goals of treatment and what is their understanding? And frequently asked, what is your understanding of the current situation? What do you hope to gain from any one given treatment? I think that's really helpful for me because then I know how to kind of guide the discussion, what they perceive their reality to be versus what potentially may be their reality and kind of help align the goals of therapy. That's where I think a comprehensive care team is critically important. In addition to medical oncology, there may be other individuals that are involved in the process, whether it be nursing, social work, endocrinology, urology may potentially play a role. There's lots of different strategies now in sort of the technologically virtual reality that we live in. A lot of opportunities to kind of engage with patients through telehealth, messaging, focusing on the whole person, going through their journey with metastatic CRPC. So to summarize, patients who have metastatic CRPC, the disease state itself can absolutely impact their health-related quality of life, and there's many factors that impact it from the treatments that they're on, the disease, sites of metastases, comorbidities, and being cognizant of that, understanding the different issues that any one patient may be experiencing and working to develop a treatment strategy plan that assesses holistically the patient is going to be key. Bone metastases are certainly a source of discomfort, pain, and morbidity for any given patient. And I think developing strategies to really optimize bone health for patients is critical through the utilization of bone targeting agents and other approaches. Communication with patients is key. Level setting around prognosis and expectations is important, even more important, in now the virtual era that we live in. So thank you so much for joining us with this third module discussing the role of radiopharmaceuticals and bone health in patients with advanced metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer.
0: This has been published by Pure Voice.